I'm James Brereton in Charlotte. It's Monday afternoon. An update now on Tropical Storm Isaias, which is continuing to move north at 13 miles an hour. As of the 2 o'clock update from the National Hurricane Center, still a tropical storm with 70 mile per hour winds, but their official forecast does call for it to re-intensify and cross that 74 mile per hour threshold as it heads towards a landfall somewhere tonight. We estimate either near Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, or just across the border towards Wilmington. We'll have an update from Charleston, South Carolina. Our Evan Fisher is there. You'll hear from him in just a moment as well. An update from North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper and updates from emergency officials in Horry County, South Carolina, coming your way in this audio update here in the next few minutes. But first, let's talk more now about the latest on the projected storm track and threat. This one is going to be packing a life-threatening storm surge inundation along portions of the immediate coastline in northeastern South Carolina. That's in that Georgetown and Myrtle Beach area along the North Carolina coast as well too, where that storm surge warning is also in effect. So residents living along coastal areas, but also inland waterways such as rivers, creeks, and streams should be monitoring for rising water during the next 24 to 36 hours. As I mentioned a moment ago, the official forecast from the National Hurricane Center does have the storm re-intensifying, just crossing over to that Category 1 threshold here before it makes landfall either later tonight on this Monday or early Tuesday morning during those overnight hours. I want to stress, even if it doesn't reach 74 miles an hour to officially become a Category 1 storm, it's still packing 70 mile per hour sustained winds near its area of circulation. So one way or another, the difference is really just kind of in definition where the impacts are going to be very similar. We do have a hurricane warning that stretches from Georgetown north through Myrtle Beach to just north of Mur- uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. The storm is expected to bring those sustained tropical storm force winds with gusts up to hurricane force winds, not only here in the Carolinas, but actually all along the I-95 corridor through the mid-Atlantic and into the northeast. So this is a storm that now has tropical storm warnings or tropical storm watches stretching all the way from Georgia to Maine on this Monday afternoon. Here in the Carolinas, heavy rainfall will result in flash flooding and urban flooding. Uh, Again, along some of those poor drainage areas or if you're living along waterways, you're going to need to uh, monitor for that widespread minor to moderate river flooding possible in portions of the Carolinas and the Mid-Atlantic as we go on through the next few days. Uh, Let's go down now to uh, Charleston, South Carolina. That's where we find our Evan Fisher, where the uh, tropical storm force winds are already arriving there in Charleston, Evan. Yeah, that's right, James. Uh, So currently I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, I spent the day kind of walking around downtown and I wandered out to Folly Beach at one point earlier. Uh, And we've had some pretty strong winds out there, not quite sustained tropical storm force yet, um, but it is definitely gusting to tropical storm force uh, winds, gust up to the uh, mid to upper 30s, approaching the lower 40s soon. Um, At this moment, we're seeing some of the heavier rain bands transition uh, and move into the coast. Isaias is off the coast by a good bit and tracking to the north. So at this point, I don't expect uh, Charleston to have any, uh, there's, there will be no landfall in Charleston. If landfall is going to occur, it's going to be further north up towards Myrtle Beach or the North Carolina, South Carolina state line. Uh, but as for us here in Charleston and the Charleston area, we're still expecting a good bit of heavy rain. Uh, and with that flooding, especially in downtown Charleston, we've hit it before on, on several shows of the Carolina Weather Group. But urban flooding is always a huge problem down here. And as we expect a high tide this evening, uh, we expect that to coincide with heavy rainfall rates. Um, that, is, that is typically the ingredients for moderate to major urban flooding. So we'll start to see street closures um, and, and uh, 
dangerous travels uh, and not just rainfall. And I would, I just hit on that, but we're going to see dangerous travel with some of the wind gusts on the bridges nearby. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they closed down the Ravenel uh, bridge between Charleston and Mount Pleasant as uh, the winds get to their peak later this afternoon and evening. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much what we're seeing in Charleston right now. Thanks for that, Evan. We'll be watching the flood threat there in Charleston and all along the coast and in eastern North Carolina and also northwestern South Carolina in Horry County and places like that. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what the uh, predicted storm surge will be. Edisto Beach to South Santee River, including that Charleston area, two to four feet of storm surge is expected. And as you know, it floods in downtown Charleston on some of those rainy uh, days where we just have summertime thunderstorms rolling on through. So now we're going to have this tropical system moving through. Uh, we'll have to keep a close eye on that. From the South Santee River up through Cape Fear, three to five feet is your predicted storm surge. From Cape Fear all along the outer banks of North Carolina, two to four feet of storm surge is expected. That's the same if you're living on the mainland uh, along the Pamical Sound or the Pamical Rivers as well as the Albemarle Sound. You'll have to watch for that. And again, we are going to be watching for inland flooding threat all along the I-95 corridor, not only along creeks, rivers, and streams that will be swelling with all of this rainfall that would be falling, but also in urban places where you may be in a low-lying area or poor drainage area because the storm is expected to dump six to up to eight inches of rainfall from essentially that Charleston area. And then there's a strip right here on the map that I'm looking at all along that I-95 corridor as far inland as places like Raleigh and then straight up into Virginia into the mid-Atlantic towards the nation's capital. So this is a uh, storm threat that we'll be watching for a flash flood potential along eastern North Carolina, but even all across the Carolinas. You're not out of the woods if you're listening, say, from western North Carolina, where they've got some uh, moderately associated uh, rain or rain that is being amplified by this system uh, associated with another weather system that's mo moving through. We already had a flash flood warning earlier in the day in the foothills of western North Carolina, so we're going to be watching for some rain uh, to move through that area as well, too. I can tell you where I am in South Charlotte near Matthews. We had an outer band of tropical downpour move through earlier that dumped relatively quickly, but a good amount of rainfall earlier in the day. So uh, here on the Carolina Weather Group audio podcast feed, we will have updates for you on the storm, the aftermath. We will also be bringing you updates from emergency officials because we see this audio podcast feed as a way to reach you, especially in situations where you may have limited access to internet or power. And because of the uh, anticipation of having those down utilities and down wires over the next 24 to 36 hours, uh, we'll be sure to bring you those updates right here in audio so you can listen to them if you're uh, semi-detached from the grid. We'll also have live coverage streaming tonight, live landfall coverage. Uh, you can find that on the Carolina Weather Group YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Periscope, whatever is your preference. Uh, that'll be streaming later tonight on those social platforms. Uh, let's get over now to uh, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper. He handled a briefing earlier today in Raleigh alongside some of his state emergency officials. And then after that, we'll hear from emergency officials preparing in Horry County. But let's go to Raleigh now. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Joining us, We'd like to share the latest updates on Isaias as it continues to approach North Carolina. As the storm closes in, we expect it to increase in intensity. There's a potential for dangerous hurricane force winds as it makes its way toward landfall later tonight. That means we must be on high alert. 
This storm will bring dangerous weather conditions to much of our state overnight. Heavy rains, flash floods, and storm surge can quickly inundate low-lying areas. Stay inside during the heavy winds and watch for tornadoes. Hurricane warnings have been issued in three North Carolina counties, Pender, Brunswick, and New Hanover. Tropical storm warnings and watches have been issued for much of eastern and central North Carolina. Pay attention to these warnings and secure your home and belongings. Have a way to stay informed, particularly since the storm will sweep through at night. As we've cautioned before, the status or category of a storm can be misleading. Whether it's labeled a tropical storm or a hurricane, you should take this storm seriously and make sure your family is ready. And that means taking care of your pets too. This storm threatens our coastline with storm surge and damaging winds, but the inland areas are also at risk. Be prepared for a lot of rain as much as seven inches in some places. The rain combined with high winds can lead to flooding, down trees, and down power lines. And make sure you're ready with supplies, flashlights, and things in case you lose power. And remember, never drive through flooded roads. As little as 18 inches can sweep a car away. We've lost too many lives after these storms because of people trying to drive through water. We have deployed water rescue, transportation, and emergency workers to the eastern part of the state. I've talked with the United States Coast Guard leadership, and they are standing by to help, along with our North Carolina National Guard. Healthcare workers are preparing to assist at a medical shelter if it's needed. Swift water rescue teams, High water vehicles and helicopters are standing by and have been strategically positioned. State and local officials continue to be on the ready and Director Sprayberry will discuss more of those preparations. Listen to local officials and follow any evacuation orders that you get when they're issued. If you're told to evacuate, the most important thing to do is get out of the danger zone. First, plan to stay with family or friends. And if that doesn't work, a hotel is the next option if you can afford it. But no, shelters will be available for those who need them. Visit your county government website or call 211 for instructions on sheltering options. Shelters will screen people for coronavirus symptoms. If someone has COVID-19 or shows symptoms, they'll be directed to a sheltering option for isolation or medical attention. Shelters will have PPE and will honor social distancing. Now, I know that North Carolinians have had to dig deep in recent months to tap into our strength and resilience during the pandemic, and that hasn't been easy. But with this storm on the way, we have to dig a little deeper. Let's keep each other safe from the wind and water as well as from the virus. As this storm arrives in just a few hours, Remember the power that comes from helping one another. We're all better off when we work together. I'd like to ask our Director of Emergency Management, Mike Sprayberry, to share an update with us. Mike? Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. Today is 147 of the COVID-19 response at the State Emergency Operations Center 
and it is day four of the Isaias evacuation. Today, we finalized all of our preparations for the storm's arrival into the state, which will occur later tonight. North Carolina residents should have completed their personal preparations as well. If you're still making last-minute preparations, visit readync.org for guidance on personal preparedness as well as to find current shelter locations. We continue to coordinate closely with our counties as they make final preparations for the storm's arrival and to support any resource needs. They are now opening up their EOCs and shelters. The CERT has 142 motivated North Carolina National Guard soldiers and airmen staged at locations in central and eastern North Carolina, ready to respond as needed. Highly trained Swiftwater rescue teams with Zodiac boats and also aviation assets are also at the ready at multiple locations. Other state partners, such as the State Highway Patrol and the Department of Transportation, have resources either embedded with our county partners or staged to decisively move into impacted communities. The power companies are expecting widespread power outages, and they have crews ready to begin restoration as soon as Isaias passes. If your power goes out, remember these safety tips. Don't use a generator or grill in your home or garage. They generate carbon monoxide fumes that can be deadly. Use flashlights or battery-powered lights instead of candles. Charge your cell phones and other devices now before the power goes out. If cell phone networks are degraded, remember that a text message will often go through when a phone call will not. As this storm moves in this evening and overnight, be prepared for power outages and the possibility of flooding. This will be true for areas along the coast as well as inland. Along the coast, storm surge will be a significant threat, particularly in Brunswick and New Hanover counties. Make sure you have a way to receive weather alerts that will alert you overnight, like a weather radio or a smartphone app. This is especially important if you live in a flood-prone area. You can also use the state's flood inundation mapping and alert network to let you know when rivers, streams, or coastal waters near you are rising to flood levels. That's FIMANNC.gov. Again, that's F-I-M-A-N.NC.gov to learn about flooding in your area. Stay off the roads tonight unless you absolutely need to travel or are ordered to evacuate. Hazards like flooded roads and downed trees and power lines will be difficult to see in the rain and darkness. If ordered to evacuate by your local officials, evacuate promptly as directly. Don't let concerns about COVID-19 prevent your evacuation. Evacuate the shortest distance possible to get out of the impacted area. Try to stay with family, friends, or a hotel to minimize contact with others during this pandemic. If these options are not available, go to a shelter. Remember, if told to evacuate, don't hesitate. If you live at a safe place inland, please do your part and offer to let family or friends evacuate to your home. Both non-congregate and congregate shelters are available for evacuees who require sheltering. Look to your county government website and social media channels for sheltering instructions for your county. Local governments in the American Red Cross have health screening, physical distancing, and cleaning protocols in place in shelters to prevent the spread of the COVID-19 virus. 
The new Know Your Zone program is also in effect. 20 coastal counties have developed coastal evacuation zones based on areas most at risk due to storm surge and river flooding. Visit knowyourzone.nc.gov to see if you live in one of these evacuation zones and listen for it if evacuations are ordered. Being aware and prepared is the key to staying safe during Isaias and through the rest of the hurricane season. We need each of you to remain vigilant tonight as this storm begins to impact us and to not become complacent about the potential impacts of this event. And don't forget to observe the three W's. Wear a face covering, wait six feet apart, and wash your hands to stop the spread of COVID-19. As always, don't forget to look out for your family, friends, and neighbors during the pandemic and Isaias. Call your loved ones today to make sure they're ready. I guarantee they'll appreciate it. With kindness and cooperation, we'll all get through this together as one team, one mission, and one family. Thank you, Governor. Thank you, Director Sprayberry. I'll now hand it over to our Secretary of the Department of Transportation, Eric Boyette, to provide an update on their preparation. Eric? Thank you, Governor. All of our staff are prepared and ready to respond to this storm. We have sent home our maintenance crews so that they can rest, do what they need to do for their personal homes, and prepare to work later tonight and tomorrow. We have more than 2,200 highway personnel ready to respond to this storm. We've repositioned and pre-positioned -pre equipment, materials, and road barricades so that we're ready to go. Ferries have completed their evacuation efforts on Ocracoke. We've evacuated over 1,700 vehicles, 3,500 people from Ocracoke since Friday. We have completed suspension of all of our coastal ferries by 5 o'clock today. We will be mooring those vessels today to make sure they're safe during this storm as it passes. As of today, the ports of Moorhead and Wilmington are fully secure and closed to commercial activity. I would like to remind everyone in the path of this storm, please take this storm seriously. This storm is forecast to have heavy rain, heavy winds, and flooding in eastern North Carolina late tonight and through midday Tuesday. People should avoid traveling in areas where flooding, high water, there are particularly low-lying areas prone to flooding. Don't attempt to travel as the storm is passing through North Carolina on Tuesday. We will be working very hard to restore the mobility as quick as possible, but our safety is our first priority. Even after the storm has passed, please remember to follow these rules. Never drive around a barricade. When the road is safe, we will open it back up. Never drive through water. And please visit drivenc.gov for the latest road conditions. Thank you, Secretary Boyette. I'd now like to recognize Colonel Glenn McNeil, the commander of the North Carolina State Highway Patrol. Colonel McNeil. Thank you, Governor. The Highway Patrol continues to work with our state and local partners as we all continue to monitor the storm's path. Troopers are strategically positioned across the state ready to respond at a moment's notice to impacted areas affected by the storm. As the storm makes landfall, roadway conditions within the impacted areas will diminish quickly. This will make travel in certain portions of our state very dangerous. Flash flooding, downed trees and power lines and high winds are to be expected throughout the night. As in past storms, our message is very clear. Please do not attempt to drive through flood waters. 
the decision to do so could lead to tragic circumstances and has contributed to several deaths during previous storm events. For those who must travel overnight and into the morning hours, please reduce your speed. Remain aware of the potential roadway hazards. Once again, please do not drive through floodwaters and around barricades. The public can stay informed of local roadway conditions by visiting drivenc.gov. Also, Star HP and 911 should be contacted for emergency purposes only. Please remember that your safety remains our state's and our governor's and our agency's highest priority. Thank you, Governor. Thank you, Colonel McNeil. We are grateful for those courageous troopers out there. Uh, I'd now like to recognize Major General Todd Hunt, the Adjutant General of the North Carolina National Guard. General Hunt. Thank you, Governor. And uh, before I begin, I would like to uh, personally thank the men and women of the North Carolina National Guard who since March have been supporting COVID-19 relief. And I want to thank you for your selfless service. So as previously mentioned, we are currently authorized 150 soldiers and airmen in, uh, for duty to support the uh, storm that's approaching. We're deployed into six different locations and our citizen soldiers and airmen deployed yesterday to integrate with our Department of Public Safety and local officials at these locations. The locations that we're currently located at are Kinston, Elizabethtown, Williamston, Edenton, Clayton, and Moxville. We are currently capable of providing a variety of support, with the most important one being life-saving measures and operations within the first 24 to 48 hours, followed by logistics support and then commodity distribution. We currently have 41 vehicles. Some of these vehicles can uh, take high water. We also have communications equipment on hand, warehouse specialists for warehouse operations, and medical support for those communities that will require that as part of the DPS enterprise. We are ready to support, and I would again like to thank the, our citizen soldiers and airmen and their families for answering the call as the guardians of North Carolina. Thank you, Governor. Thank you, General Hunt. We're grateful for our National Guard soldiers, their service overseas. Some of them just got back home, uh, and we're grateful for the work that they have provided us during the pandemic. We'll now take uh, questions from the media. If you can identify yourself and your organization first, please, and we'll take the first question. Our first question is from Lynn Bonner with the News and Observer. Thank you for taking my question. Uh, this is Lynn Bonner from the News and Observer. Um, with the storm expected to make landfall tonight, are you aware of any plans to evacuate in advance so people aren't leaving in the dark? Uh, there have been some evacuations that have been already ordered by several local governments. I'll let uh, Director Sprayberry tell us what he knows on that. Thank you, Governor, and thank you, Lynn. So right now we know that, you know, the Hatteras Island up in Dare County and Ocracoke Island in Hyde County, and then several other uh, municipalities have ordered evacuations. We don't know of any further evacuations at this time. There could be some more evacuations in the coming hours. But I would, uh, I would think that you're not going to see too many more evacuations at this point due to the uh, timing of the storm. Uh, we're expecting it to arrive as early 
as 8 p.m. tonight with some tropical storm force winds um, in southeastern uh, North Carolina. So um, probably will not be seeing too many more evacuations at this point. Thank you. Thank you. Next question, please. Our next question is from Will Michaels with WUNC. Hi, Governor. Um, given that Will Michaels at WUNC, given that shelters are going to be observing social distancing, I would imagine that they are not going to be able to hold as many people as they usually would. Is that correct? And how are you all taking that into account? That is correct. And in fact, we want to make sure that each person has 115 square feet in the shelter in order to be able to assure social distancing. There's also going to be PPE, hand sanitizer, uh, and a lot of work to make sure that when you have people in a congregate sheltering like that, that we don't spread the virus. This is one of the reasons why we are encouraging people to find places to stay with family or friends, and then also encouraging them, if they can't do one of those, to stay at a hotel if they can afford it. But local government, along with our emergency management people, have worked very hard to identify a number of places where people can go, recognizing that we're going to need more space with a shelter. And I think we are comfortable at this point that we'll have enough room for people and still be able to social distance. If this storm uh, gets worse, then there are more shelters that we can open up inland, uh, larger shelters that we can put in place like we did with Florence, but we believe that we can handle it thus far. Mike, you got anything to add to that? Okay. Next question, please. Our next question is from Michael Highland with CBS 17. Hi, this is Michael Hyland from CBS 17. I wanted to ask uh, more broadly about uh, the hurricane season overall with the anticipated budget shortfall that our state and many other states are facing. Is that having any impact on planning for the rest of the season to ensure that we have the resources we need to respond in the event we have multiple storms? Uh, we have compacts with other states and we work on sharing personnel and equipment, but we also want to make certain that in each circumstance that North Carolina has enough. I'll let Mike address to see what specific requests have been made thus far. Thank you, Governor. And thank you, sir. We have not made any requests from other states for resources for um, Isaias. And so um, we would anticipate that there could be some resources that we might need for other storms like um, urban search and rescue teams or perhaps more aviation assets, but we believe that we could get those assets. We think that um, basically the largest shortage of assets in the nation right now are medical assets. Um, and I will tell you that we feel fairly comfortable right now with the amount of medical resources that we have in our state. Um, we do have a lot of resources, uh, as is evidenced by the fact that we already have a, um, a state medical support shelter <clears throat> already. It's been uh, initiated and it's standing up with an ambulance strike team out of our own resources. If we have something larger, uh, we'll have to go back and perhaps uh, sharpen our pencils and look at uh, other place that we can draw resources within our own state. 
but we fit this time I would say that we're pretty comfortable with the resources that we have thank you sir Mike's getting pretty comfortable saying Esai East too uh, next question please our next question is from Rose Hoban with North Carolina Health News. Um, you partially answered my question about the medical shelters, so I'm assuming that it's at the Sandhills um, uh, uh, Regional Medical Center. But, you know, I would be interested in knowing the number of shelters in the past that you would have set up and how that number has changed now. Like, how many more shelters do you have um, dispersed around the state to accommodate for the need for social distancing? Most of the locals are putting up shelters now and have been over the last few days, and Mike can probably give you a little bit of an inventory on that. Thank you, Governor, and thank you, Rose. So the way that it, what's happening right now is our local partners, I've just gotten off some conference calls with our local counties, they're in the process of setting up shelters and what they'll do when those shelters are activated, um, they will let us know about it. But so right now it's a, it's a moving target and as it, the number will grow, I'm sure, uh, throughout the day. Um, you know, we, back during Florence, we opened a significant number of not just local shelters, but we did open uh, several uh, large shelters uh, to support uh, the state and the counties as they came into our shelters. Right now, uh, we have the opportunity to shelter uh, via the non-congregate shelters, which we would put people into hotel rooms, and there's over 2,000 of those rooms available right now. So we feel like between, we do have an inventory of congregate sheltering locations as well as non-congregate sheltering. Um, when the local governments and, and jurisdictions are overwhelmed in their sheltering processes, that's when they call upon us. So that's, the, that's how uh, emergency management works. The local governments, well, they're the first line of defense. They'll take care of uh, the issues at their level. When they need some assistance, they reach back up to the state, and then we step in. So right now, they're holding it pretty well on their own. Um, and we're just going to watch and see what transpires tonight as Isaias rolls through the state. And then tomorrow, if we have people that uh, had to evacuate uh, suddenly, uh, I think that we'll be well positioned to help those people out with additional sheltering options. Thank you, Rose. Next question, please. We have a follow-up. Rose Hoban, North Carolina Health News. A questioner asked about how the state budget um, shortfall, which we're not exactly sure what it's going to be given get federal funds. But how is that changing storm planning, if at all? We always try to be extremely careful with taxpayer dollars. But I think taxpayers understand, too, that we have to be prepared for these storms. We have to be prepared to save people's lives. So we've got enough funding to make sure that we get that done. It's something that the legislature makes as a priority. Uh, we're always careful about what we do and don't want to overspend, but at the same time, we've got to be prepared. As I've said earlier, we want to be able to look back and say, my goodness, we overprepared because we don't want to come up short 
when these storms go through and people's lives are at stake. So we feel pretty good about where we are right now with, with funding for this and we'll, we'll do everything that we can to make sure that we meet the budget and at the same time keep people safe and healthy. Thanks, next question. Our final question today will be from Richard Craver with the Winston-Salem Journal. Yes, uh, Governor, this is Richard Craver with the Winston-Salem Journal. Uh, the reason I'm asking you in, in this setting is that given what's supposed to um, transpire in terms of Friday with the phase two restrictions, is the delay or any kind of factor with the hurricane potentially delaying um, any kind of decision you might make that you normally would make Tuesday or Wednesday? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I think you always look at events where you potentially could have lots of people together and events that could potentially spread the virus. We're looking at, though, indicators that uh, have been in place for a while. Uh, we're looking at when people get sick coming to the emergency room, seeing where that number is. Of course, the raw number of cases. We look at our percentage positives. We look at our hospital beds and the availability of all of that. And we'll be, a making, uh, we'll be making an announcement this week, probably Wednesday, on that e executive order. And a lot of other, other factors will, will uh, take place. Okay, we will probably come back and talk with you again tomorrow after this storm hopefully has moved through North Carolina. Please stay safe tonight. Uh, as the director said, try not to drive out tonight if you can, if you can stay home while the storm is moving through our state, and we'll, we'll be ready for it tonight. Thank you very much. From that news conference in Raleigh with uh, Governor Roy Cooper and other state officials, we're bringing out a South Carolina. Officials in Horry County, South Carolina, near Myrtle Beach, talked about their preparations earlier today. Good afternoon. I'm Kelly Moore, the Director of Public Information for Horry County Government. Today we will be providing a briefing on Tropical Storm Isaias and Horry County Government preparations ahead of the storm. We will have a series of speakers today, including Horry County Council Chairman Johnny Gardner, Assistant Administrator for Public Safety Randy Webster, Horry County Sheriff's Office Deputy Chief Tom Fox, Horry County Police Deputy Chief Lance Winburn, Horry County Fire Rescue Chief Joseph Tanner, Horry County 911 Director Renee Hardwick. We will take questions at the end. As a reminder, the Horry County Emergency Phone Bank will activate at 5 p.m. for non-emergency calls and questions related to the storm. That number is 843-915-5000. At this time, I'll turn it over to Horry County Council Chairman Johnny Gardner. Thank you, Kelly. I want to make a brief statement before I turn it over to the experts. Um, this is a briefing, as stated earlier, uh, to demonstrate or explain to you the preparations that Horry County has made in uh, response to this storm. And uh, I will tell you that Horry County is ready, as always, when it comes to storm preparations. This is unlike the COVID pandemic in that we have an emergency, but we see a start generally and we see an end generally, and we're prepared for that. That's what we do here. Um, speaking of that, I'm told that it, right now that it's not a hurricane. That could change. I'm told that the, the bad weather is coming tonight. That could change, and in fact, it has changed since one of our forecasts. We're getting ready for it a little early, leaving uh, the office early so people can get home. I would encourage everybody, because of the change, 
even though it's anticipated not to be as severe as some of the hurricanes that we've had, that everyone monitor their social media, their news outlets to try to keep up with what's happening. And because it's at nighttime, I would encourage everybody to stay home and not get out into this um, bad weather. And we'll see what happens as we, uh, as we go through it. But we are prepared. The uh, INR committee has done what they need to do for here in public safety, as, as you will hear from them. And with that, I will turn it over to our experts, starting with Randy Webster. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Randy Webster, Public Safety. Um, so here we are with a hurricane upon us in the midst of COVID. It's one of the things we are dreading the most this year. Uh, but we've made the adjustments we need to make and are working forward to continue to provide the services we need to provide during this uh, upcoming either tropical storm or hurricane. And it really doesn't matter which one it is right now based upon the wind speeds. If it comes in at 70 miles an hour or 75 miles an hour, the impacts will be identical. Uh, what we're hoping for is it remains to the east on the track and uh, we continue to not experience any of the severe wind that could be associated with this. But uh, that is yet to be played out and we'll see how it goes. Uh, we are prepared. We have taken all the steps we need to take. Uh, and one thing I want to mention is even though we have a hurricane coming or potential hurricane coming in our direction, but definitely a strong tropical storm. Obviously, you realize we did not have any hurricane evacuations with this storm. And as a result, there are no hurricane evacuation shelters open for this storm. Uh, that does not mean to take this storm lightly. It means just to be aware. Uh, we will still con get considerable storm surge. Uh, that, that forecast has changed and uh, increased over the last few forecasts that's come out. So we're currently expecting three to five feet of storm surge along the beachfront, especially if it comes in at the high tide like with the full moon that is expected to do so. Uh, that will put areas of uh, Cherry Grove and Garden City um, will most likely experience uh, serious coastal flooding uh, overnight tonight. And the fact it is an overnight storm uh, also will have tornadoes along with the wind and heavy rain uh, throughout the event. Uh, so being at night, it just adds that much more anxiety to the whole thing. Uh, but we will have the EOC operational today starting at uh, 5 o'clock this evening and will be here throughout the event. Uh, as you can see around this room, it looks a lot different than it has in the past. Uh, so there will be very few people in here, but we will be doing virtual uh, with a lot of folks that, that are typically here. Uh, so we just want you to understand we're here, we'll be functioning and taking care of things that we need to take care of in order to get everybody through this. We've, we've done this before as a county, as a community. Um, you know, a lot of folks have, have, have weathered these types of events in the past and we always come out real good on the other end. Uh, I am concerned for a lot of folks that may have moved here since the previous storms, uh, so it could be a first-time event. So uh, just please make sure you've got your plans in place, you're, you've taken all the pre uh, preparation steps you need to take. Uh, we could experience uh, longer duration of power outages because of COVID and the response that's going to come in typically to assist with our electric companies uh, to restore that power. So that could take a little bit longer. Uh, do expect some trees down roadways to be blocked um, and so all the events that typically we respond to real quickly and handle could be slow this time just because of the COVID and fewer folks here uh, to help out. Also just be mindful that we've talked about this many times that when the wind speeds get 40 miles an hour sustained which is beginning a tropical storm force and then 60 miles an hour sustained uh, that will cause a, a delay in public safety response 
So uh, we'll be taking those calls as they come in, as conditions warrant, as the conditions warrant throughout the county. We obviously are aware that conditions as far as wind speeds may be higher along the coast than they will inland or to the west of the county. So just be mindful of all these same things we talk about every hurricane, that there's things that's going to happen. Uh, just unfortunately, the responses may be a little slower uh, because of all the additional issues we have to deal with with COVID-19. Um, that said, uh, we will uh, be here throughout the night. We'll be uh, monitoring conditions and responding to the needs of the community as best we can. And then tomorrow we'll do a, a rapid assessment to see where we are. And then we'll take it from there. Uh, we'll see if there's any severe damages or debris issues. Uh, we feel certain the beach will have some erosion issues. So we'll have a lot to do tomorrow as well. Um, but I just want to encourage everybody, don't travel tonight. Stay away from the beach. Um, let this thing work itself through and be over with. It's moving quickly when it gets here. So we should be these experiencing these for just a few short hours. And then overnight, by the time the sun comes up, hopefully this, this event will be on this, on this downside and on north of us. And then we can start to clean up and then kind of get things back to normal. So uh, with that, I'd like to turn it over to uh, uh, Sheriff, Deputy Sheriff uh, Tom Fox. Good afternoon, everyone. Just want to echo what everyone said. Uh, there's still time to prepare. Uh, go ahead and get all your loose ends tied up. Make sure you got plenty of water and food for the night. Make sure you charge your cell phones before you go to bed tonight so that you can monitor them throughout the night. If you've got a chance, make sure you have them on channels that have alert tones from some of these local channels that give you voice and alert tones and special events like possibilities of tornadoes or high winds in your area. So get prepared tonight. There's still plenty of time. Take care of your pets, bring them inside, or find a safe shelter for them. Don't leave them out in the storm. And get all the loose items you got out in your yard tied away or put inside the garage or, or, or secured so your neighbor doesn't have a window put out by one of your items. Everyone be safe, use common sense, stay indoors, and take care of your neighbors. Thank you. Good afternoon. I'm Lance Winburn, uh, Deputy Chief with the Horry County Police Department. Our precincts are staffed tonight as normal. Uh, we also have officers on standby tonight in case something arises uh, that we need to deal with. Uh, I would ask folks, uh, once the wind speeds start to get up, uh, there's certain calls that officers may not respond to, uh, but if you'll call us when you need us, we'll make that determination and go over that with you on the phone when you call. Uh, our officers will be out all night uh, monitoring and responding to calls as needed. Uh, after the winds start to die down, we'll start to do some assessments, calling those in to our emergency operations center. Uh, but we'll be here for you if you need us. Call us if you need us. <clears throat> I'm Julie Tanner, Fire Chief, Ord County Fire Rescue. Ord County Fire Rescue is preparing for the storm. Uh, we do have made contact with some of our regional partners and our local partners to be prepared, uh, working with them hand in hand. Uh, we have upstaffed up some of our brush units with chainsaw capabilities and upstaffed up three of our boat crews to be ready for potential flooding that may come from the storm. We'd like for you all to remember that we, we do discourage you from using your generators inside your homes. Uh, make sure they're outside, well ventilated on the outside. The same thing for grilling, if you try to grill or cook, Make sure your home, everything is, is, is ventilated to the outside to make sure you're safe. Uh, another thing is that today uh, we put a lot of information out on our Facebook page on a lot of safety tips. 
I know it's shared on all the other Facebook pages as well, but please go to this Facebook page and look at those safety tips. And if you have any information or any questions, please reach out to us. We'll be glad to answer those questions. At this time, I'll turn it over to Renee Hardwick, our 911 director. Afternoon. Uh, just a couple of things. 911 will be there to answer your call throughout the storm. Please don't call 911 for your power being out. You should contact your power company. Um, we do have a non-emergency line, 843-248-1520 for non-emergency. An emergency is considered a life-threatening type thing. If you just want to know something, you'd call the 1520 number. Um, if you have trees down or see trees down in the road and all, you can call 843-915-5000. That's our information line for the county. We will have folks monitoring that line throughout the night and tomorrow. So we just ask you not to overwhelm 911 or our non-emergency number with things that aren't truthfully emergency where you need police, fire, or rescue, you know. So um, that's all I have for you. I'm going to turn it back over to Mr. Webster, who's going to answer any questions you may have. Okay. Do you have any questions? So typically, at 40 miles an hour sustained, which is the beginning of tropical storm force winds, uh, it does have a tendency to slow our response because high-profile vehicles, uh, police cars and things can be susceptible to, to the wind and cause problems. We hit 60 miles an hour sustained, then we, we pretty much stop or cease funk, uh, responding because then it becomes too dangerous to be out there. Uh, so we're going to be in that threshold with this event. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it could be coastal issues versus western issues as far as wind speed goes. So each time a call comes in, we'll be assessing each one uh, to see if it's safe to be able to respond. And then when the winds die back down below those thresholds, we'll be back to normal business. I guess for those that are tuning in right now, um, the speed of the storm obviously is a lot quicker than Florence and some of the storms in the past. So. Um, I guess that's kind of encouraging in a way for those that are kind of watching the storms going to be in and out. Yeah, exactly. This is not going to be a days-long event. This is going to be an hours-long event. Uh, it will start up this evening, and it will progressively get worse throughout the night. And then hopefully by daybreak, it, the system itself is well north of us, and then we'll start seeing the recovery and, and conditions start to improve throughout the day on Tuesday. Unlike past storms, there are a number of tourists in the area. Now evacuations have taken place. These tourists might not be familiar with storm proceedings or how these things work. So folks like that or tourists that are here, just stay in the hotel or, or, the, or the location you're at throughout the night tonight. Don't get out and try to see what's going on with the ocean. Uh, I am concerned about folks that may be in, in the low-lying areas uh, not realizing what storm surge is and how quick it can uh, present itself, uh, especially with coastal flooding during an astronomical high tide. It can't get much worse than this. So um, we just want to make sure people are aware. Uh, I'm sure it will catch folks off guard. We've taken measures to, you know, put signage out in the Garden City area to alert people to potential flooding there. And I know our communities along the coast have done the same thing. So, uh, but it will be different for a lot of folks, and uh, we just know that that's a little different piece that we have to work with tonight. Um, with those shelters, uh, where would you advise people to go if they do need to leave their house due to flooding or, or things like that? So if you have an issue of flash flooding, uh, first off, you know, it can be kind of tough to leave while that event's going on. But the uh, you know, best time right now is to figure out, do you have family, friends, uh, relatives, someone that you could work, move to tonight to spend the night uh, will be the best if you're in areas such as low-lying areas. Um, any longer-term events, once this is over with, we'll be able to open shelters with the Red Cross and address those needs on an individual basis. 
Okay, we're good. All right, thank you all very much. We appreciate it. That does it for this update from the Carolina Weather Group. Again, we'll have live coverage of landfall. You can find it on the Carolina Weather Group Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, or Twitch feed starting tonight, Monday evening. And then stay tuned right here on the Carolina Weather Group podcast feed. We'll be bringing you audio updates on the storm as well as bringing you a lot of those news conferences that officials will be holding so that you can continue to get that information, especially if you find yourself in a situation with limited access to the Internet or power. Uh, We'll be watching that uh, threat for uh, downed power lines and utilities here over the next few days. For now, from Charlotte, I'm James Brierton with this update from the Carolina Weather Group.